Hey, what's going on, everyone? I'm back with another episode. It's I know, I know. It's been a while, but I figured why not put some content out while I still can. It's uh, We're at the All-Star break. When we recorded this, we were just heading into the All-Star break. The Yankees had just lost two out of three of the Cubs. We had found out that our hitting coach had been fired. And now, recording this part, I do know that Sean Casey is the new hitting coach for the Yankees. In my opinion, I like it for now. It's a temporary thing, and it's good to see what he can bring in his mindset of being a great hitter during his playing career. And he has never left baseball being a part of MLB Network for a numerous amount of years. It's going to be interesting to see how much it plays a role into today's game and how much he can help. I, I don't believe necessarily that the hitting coach is going to change everything. I believe the hitters have to change and, you know, firing hitting coaches, especially someone like Dylan Lawson, was kind of like a scapegoat thing. But uh, I think new blood is always good. And hopefully since we've seen Aaron Boone transition from TV to the diamond, you know, uh, people still argue whether that was a good thing or not. I guess we'll see the same thing with this half a season. And uh, I think it couldn't be any worse, right? So why not give it a try? Um, we don't get to discuss that together because we didn't know at the time of recording this. But I think this was a fantastic episode. I want to thank Anthony, Megan, and Grace for coming on with me and, and doing this episode with me. I hadn't done it in a while, so this was really, really nice of them to hop on and um, enjoy. I'll leave their descriptions and links down below. Check them out, follow them, and let us know what you think. Uh, we'll have another episode out sometime next week, and uh, I'll start to pick these up again and, and get back into it. It's been uh, an interesting year for me, to say the least, in, in the baseball world, so I had to take some time off of podcasting, but I'm glad to be back now. And uh, I hope you guys all enjoy this episode because there'll be many more to come. See you guys. All right, guys, we are back with another episode here. Uh, I just want to get right into it. Right before we head to this all-star break, the Yankees were home against the Cubs and the Yankees did not perform what I had expected. They hadn't. They have not really been doing that all season, but I expected at least to win this series against a struggling team. <clears throat> probably going and selling off uh, in, in the Cubs, and I felt that the Yankees completely underperformed, especially with former Yankee and Jameson Tyone just absolutely manhandling us in the first game. I felt like kind of set the tone. Uh, Ant, what did you uh, think of that series? I thought it was pretty rough, to be honest. Like, going into the series, I had expectations. You know, the Cubs are not no pushover team, but they were under 500. The Yankees should have at least took two out of three from the Cubs. I was there Friday, and Rodon, he pitched pretty good. But once again, the story's always been the offense just doesn't show up. And I was at the game, literally sixth, seventh inning, Tyone's mowing us down, and I'm like, I can't take it, you know? I'm like sitting there and like, I want to leave, but like, you know, I stayed there to the end, but watching Tyone go eight innings, one hit, just miserable. 
you know, all we could do is look forward to the second half and pray things get better. But like outside of, you know, nowhere in judge, like what are we going to do? I agree with you. It's um, it's been really tough without Aaron judge. And at that, you know, I, I I've talked to you guys about this for um, a while now. And I feel like Aaron judge is obviously a top two, top three best players in baseball. Yep. But without him, the team can't be as miserable as what we're seeing. He he cannot carry the team on his shoulders every year. And I felt like he did that for the majority of last year. And mm-hmm. he's done it basically the entirety of this year. And mm-hmm. we've seen so many players struggle that we rely on and players that we traded for that we probably shouldn't have traded for. And I think we all argued about certain trades from day one. And Grace, I'll go to go to you for this one. Some struggling names include Josh Donaldson, uh, even Giancarlo Stanton, and DJ LeMahieu. You know what 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 do you think of their season so far? And do you think there's a way that they could turn it around going into the second half? I mean, I feel like there's always a chance that they can turn it around. To me, guys like that have too good of resumes to have this kind of performance and to not turn it around. But at some point you have to ask where their urgency is, especially with like Donaldson and DJ. We haven't seen Donaldson go on any sort of tear during his tenure as a Yankee. And that's frustrating. He's a former AP. When is he gonna actually hit at it? And DJ's won batting titles in both leagues, and he was so clutch for us the first couple of years. When is he finally going to snap into it? It's just these guys, they're too good to have stretches like this. It makes no sense. I think it's harder for me to see it, especially in someone like DJ LeMahieu, where you know we offered that six-year contract to, and I think we're in year three of it right now. And the rapid decline that we've seen in his batting average, just, you know, to keep it lightly and how much we relied on him and how much we've talked about him going into the season, how much, you know, like who should really start at third, you know, we got to make room for Glaber, you know, DJ could be the guy instead of Josh Donaldson. And I would have never thought that, you know, DJ LeMay, who with a 220 batting average is still over 70 points, higher in batting average than someone in Josh Donaldson. And granted, Josh Donaldson has only played 30 games this season, but I've never seen someone that has been so high and impactful, former MVP, you know, have a such a terrible tenure with a team. And I feel like that's what it's been this entire time. And I feel like we ragdolled on IKF all of last season. And I, I actually enjoy IKF now more than I ever did last year at any yeah. point. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I never once hated on IKF last season offensively. Yeah, you I were. You were one of the. Either. You were. I do remember that. And I, I honestly batting knew that dude right. was so much better offensively than people were giving him credit for. I mean, he was clutch. We didn't need a home run out of him because we already have too much of that on the team. It was refreshing to see somebody who made contact had speed, and could get timely hits. I enjoy him now. 
I think more because he could play multi multiple positions. And I felt like the reason we hated him so much was because of how bad he was at short. And that clouded so much of his hitting. I mean, he was so bad on the field that no matter what he did offensively, it never made any sense for us. And I really um, enjoy IKF, to be honest, because literally he, he said it himself, like, I'm here to do whatever the team wants me to do. And you see him literally pitching and stuff. It's, you know, I know we don't enjoy that, but, like, he's doing whatever it takes to, you know, keep his roster spot, and he's done well doing that. He just wants to contribute any way he can. Yeah, exactly, and and that's what that's what I love about him now. And now I'm I'm very happy that we have him. And I felt like he was probably the last piece, or one of the last pieces that into going into that trade that we really considered to be pivotal. You know, in the 2023 season, I think everyone or hoped for that it would be Josh Donaldson and then even Ben Rodvet to do something. But Ben Rodvet doesn't exist. And <laughs> You have IKF who now plays the outfield, which I never thought was going to happen. And, you know, like I, I actually thought for a time that because IKF used to play catcher for a couple years with Jose Trevino in, in Texas, that that would be something we could possibly see if Kyle Higashioka had struggled. But with the fact that Jose Trevino has struggled now in his sophomore season as, as, the, as the Yankee, Meg, do you think that there's a chance that Jose Trevino or Kyle Gashioka could be anything better than what they've showed so far. I know Jose Trevino was an all-star last year, but I, this is like backup numbers to me, and I'm trying not to be rude about it. Um, so I'm like someone that really doesn't look at numbers. I feel like I've told you guys this. Like for me personally, I just like I watch, and then like that's how I honestly judge at this point. But I feel like everyone goes through a slump, but – I was um, I was reading something, and Christian Yelich, you know how like he was in his little slump for a while. Um, he basically quoted, he was like, "You basically in this day and age in baseball, you either you adapt or you die." So like, he what he had to do is he had to change his mechanics or anything he had to do that wasn't working at the plate. And I feel like with Higgy and Jose and anybody else who are struggling. And, like, obviously we've seen it. Like, I think it's just everyone's mechanics just need to, I don't know if they need to be tweaked or they need to really be, like, analyzed just to see maybe, hey, this isn't working out so much. Let me see anything else that maybe I could change that might even the slightest bit, you know, make a significance. Especially with this season, how much it's changed from just last season, you know, with all the new rules. I feel like the new rules have implemented an entire new style of baseball and where power doesn't mean remotely close to anything that it used to back then. And I feel now it's so much more of contact. And I, I was talking to you guys about this in our, in our Twitter chat that it's like almost like, you know, contact and speed has taken over this game so quickly that, it scares me a little bit because I see the construction of this team and I feel like this team is kind of built for what greatness should have been around five, eight, nine, ten years ago. And I feel like we're one of the slower teams. Granted, we do have Anthony Volpe, who's 
great. Oswaldo Cabrera's got some decent speed. Harrison Bader's got great speed, but I feel like we struggle with obviously contact and speed. And I, obviously, you know, we just found out today too that the hitting coach, uh, Dylan Lawson, has been relieved, which honestly is a relief to me because I, you know, he's a, he's a scapegoat definitely. You know, the team hasn't been performing. Yeah. That's not entirely on him, mm-hmm. but the fact that Cashman or how whoever is really making the decisions up there decided middle of the season for the first time in Cashman's tenure, that just shows I felt to me that kind of showed to me like either they're desperate or they know they have to change things up because baseball has changed so much that you can't just keep riding this and expecting things to change when they won't. Well, yeah. And also too, I mean, I think, and I feel like in anything, like your job's not guaranteed. And like, obviously if with the Yankees, how they've been playing, someone's job was on the line. And I think Dylan, I don't know if he was aware of that or he just like, just thought that he just, there wasn't anything wrong, but obviously like him being relieved of his duties. It, I mean, it, the Yankees now have to take a really big look in the mirror and say, all right, well, we just relieved our hitting coach. I mean, what are we going to do now? You have two other hitting coaches that they're now their jobs are on the line because after the all-star break, if it's the same pattern, Cashman, obviously, like he said, is reluctant to do a mid-season change like that. But at the same time, if it has to come down to it, he might honestly just keep doing it. Like he might just start cleaning house at that point. Yeah, I don't know though. Like I, I don't know no, yeah. with like anything, not anything, but like I'm just saying, you know, obviously with even with Boone, like just because you sign a contract, like it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, we could, we could all have a dream and stuff. Grace knows this. You know, I would love Paul O'Neill as the you know the hitting coach, but you know it would never happen. But you know, Paul O'Neill would make a perfect hitting coach for this team. I mean, him, he's just so knowledgeable, uh, you know, when he yeah, talks. I he love is. hearing him talk. I do know that the Yankees will be going for an outside hire. That I did see. I'm just curious. Uh, I, I'm curious to, to as well because to get an outside hire in the middle of a season is so rare. But I'm saying, like, sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, I was just saying that, that it, it's so rare for any team to get an outside hire in the middle of a season. You really – have to have already been doing your due diligence on them for such a long time to even be considering them throughout the season. Usually when you're doing an outside hire in the middle of a season like this, where you only get, you know, half a week before the season starts up again, you know, you don't really have that type of time. And I, I, I really am curious to know when, when they probably announce it within the next couple of days after the all-star yeah, break. Four days to do it. Yeah, would maybe laugh. Announce it right, bef- right before the first game or something. Yeah, they, yeah. they definitely will. But I feel like what made me laugh, and I was just like, what if they bring back Brett Gardner? Like, that could just throw everybody for a loop. And it's like, honestly, I wouldn't be worried about it. I'm for it, honestly, at this point. I mean, the guys, the guy did anything he could to, to contribute to the Yankees, too. Unfortunately, the way it ended sucked, but. See, I, I probably wouldn't want him to be a hitting coach, but I would love him to, to be in the clubhouse. I think he'd be a perfect bench coach. Love to see him as a manager. It'd be so great. But just and, to like, just to laugh. 
Yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see how the season turns out, and you know, you never know. But yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see because that you know you brought up a good point where you know you have these other hitting coaches that were the assistant hitting coaches or whatever you want to really call them, but you know, like what happens with them now? Like, you know, they're all under this one regime of hitting, and they've all been horrible. And I'm trying to be as polite as I can. It's just, you know, when you're when you're being compared to the Oakland Athletics and Detroit Tigers of, of Kansas baseball, City Royals, literally. Yeah, like these three teams have absolutely no goal of making the playoffs. There's no, not especially the Oakland Athletics, who I don't even know what their future, what they even think of their future. You know, they they're so many years away from contending. The Detroit Tigers are a team where they spent a lot of money in the wrong places and now are paying for it. And, you know, Kansas city Royals are just a team that are just going to be building for five years from now. And then you got the Yankees who are supposed to be this top contending team where they always make it to the ALDS, the ALCS every year world series. We're supposed to be, and we're one of the worst teams in hitting. And I, no, it's no, just sad. Yeah. Sorry, oh, yeah. yeah. I was just saying, it's just, it's just sad at this point, And it's like, to be quite honest with you, like it's pathetic. Like that, like I'm not, I'm not being polite at all. It's, it's pathetic. Like it's just embarrassing too, because people make like other teams and other fans, not other teams, but like other fans, like laugh at us because it's like we can never get past Houston. And to be quite honest with you, like last year we made it all the way to um, the ALCS just to get our asses handed to us again by Houston. We didn't deserve to be there and, to, you know, begin with. We literally struggled with the Guardians. We just snuck by them. Just well, that's get... what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's like, we just, and it's like, didn't the Guardians, I can't even remember. I mean, last year I feel like it was such a blur. Didn't they just make it to the playoffs too? The Guardians last year, yeah. Well, they, they, they were the division winners because that division was so bad. Right, right, right. I forgot about, yeah, okay, yes. But the, they I were like, they were like 10 games over like 500, if I remember correctly, at the end of the year. Like they were so – it was such a bad division that anyone could have made it. Like the Guardians won 92 <laughs> games or something. Yeah, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be right actually on that one. But, yeah, it, it was – you know, but when you play, especially last season schedule, when you're playing, you know, the Detroit Tigers and the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago White Sox and, you know, the Minnesota Twins yeah. 19 times per – you know, you're going to get 76, 76, I believe, games of playing absolute dog water of teams. You're going to, you should be able to win. Oh, yeah. And it's like, season. Exactly. And I was watching a game yesterday, and one of the announcers said that it's not the best team that win, uh, not the best team that win, but it's like, it's just the hottest teams that make it. Like, you, yeah. you get hot at the right time. And like, yeah, the best team's going to win, obviously. But, like, at the same time, when you're hot at the right time, it just works out for you in your favor. And, obviously, the Yankees were not hot. They were completely, like, ice cold. And it just – I don't know what – I don't know. Like, I can't even – I feel like I get speechless because I don't even know how to put into words what the performance the Yankees did last year. Like, it was just so – We were the know. best team in baseball for two months and then completely fell off a cliff. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, how does it's that hold even happen? On. Yeah, well, you know, that that is just a whole nother thing. It was like, that's what was so, like, unbelievable. We, we were so good. It felt like no one could beat us. I, I remember going into baseball games and, you know, going to watch, and I'm like, 
I could probably pick this up in the fifth inning. The Yankees probably be winning six nothing by then. Like I know the Yankees are just going to absolutely dominate today. Like it didn't matter who we were playing. And then all of a sudden, I felt like that Red Series like completely changed everything. And that's what, yeah, I was literally away. That's when Clay Holmes literally was yep. broken for a little bit, you know. Yep. And then I felt like from that moment on, like we went into the All Star break, like a week or two after that. And then the very first series after that, we had we had Houston on a back to uh, on a back to back right after the All Star break because we had to make up the games from the from the lockout, and then we got swept by Houston. And then immediately after that, we were just so down in the dumps. We couldn't win a game to save our life, and it's like I felt like nothing happened. And then where we needed to pick up and the pieces that we needed, just we got like B level acquisitions that just kept us stagnant. And then, granted, you know, like you obviously don't know that the acquisitions that you make are going to get hurt. And like, you know, Andrew Benatendi, Frankie Montas, you, you don't know that's going to happen, even though Frankie Montas, you probably did know. It's, <laughs> it's just so embarrassing. About him, especially, especially well, that's the worst part. And you like just forget about so many of these players that get hurt because they use they're they haven't been playing no we talk about like domingo clark schmidt and then it's like oh we really thought frankie montas was going to be the fifth starter for this team no and obviously like the injuries are so unpredictable like unfortunately that just it it comes that's just that's what it comes down to and we're not in the players heads but I could obviously I could see when we're like when we're I'm watching a game how frustrated some of these players get like to the like you, we've seen with it with Bader with um, like John Carl like Rizzo they all get so frustrated and I know for a fact that like they 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 want to win like they they want to get those at bats that are just really good it's just I think to them like it's frustrating which makes then when we watch it from like the outside looking in because we're just watching the game we're like what the hell like why aren't they like doing what they're doing but it just I think with the whole Dylan Lawson firing that I just I feel like it just opens up eyes and I'm just going to keep going back to it because he was the and obvious and people were saying that everyone has their different hitting coaches they don't really I, I don't I don't know. That's what I guess. That's what they do. Like they have all their different hitting coaches, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what what happens in the second half. But I I was a little excited when we hired Dill Lawson because I saw he came from Boston and I believe he you know won a World Series title with that 2018 team. So I was like, oh shoot, you know maybe he could do something, but you know it didn't work out. I was really excited for him too, especially with the with the multiple hirings of of assistant uh hitting coaches as well and then i remember eric chavez was supposed to be yeah one of the guys as well mm-hmm. and then he took the job and then left the job to go to the mets and then whatever happened over there with him but i was like okay you know i guess dylan lawson's the guy they must have a lot of faith in him because it seemed like they did and uh i i definitely wasn't thinking of his name last season because I felt like, you know, the the big phrase of hitting strikes hard, like I think, you know, like that's what we kept saying all of last year, especially those first two, three months where we were dominating so well. And then it just completely fell off. And I feel like this year with how much baseball has changed, I feel like he had not, he has not adapted to that at all. 
And when you have obviously these, this team that has a bunch of big contracts and big boppers and guys who aren't fast, you know, Sean Carlos Stanton can run the second base without hurting his leg for some reason. And, you know, you've got Anthony Rizzo who definitely has, doesn't have the speed like he once did. Uh, Glaber still has some decent speed, but you really, you know, DJ LeMay, who's still battling the toe thing. You know, you have a bunch of lingering issues. Josh Donaldson can't run at all unless, you know, unless it's a no doubter home run, but it, it's still like, it's tough. And that's why I think they, they went out and got someone like Greg Allen, you know, like a month or two back, like they were trying to catch up to the speed game. But, you know, like that's – and I, that kind of leads me to, like, my next conversation. And, you know, you see these veterans who are obviously slower, who are definitely slowing down. Do you think, especially now um, – and I'll start with you, Ant, and then you guys can backpack off each other here. You know, do you think now uh, with how much Josh Donaldson has struggled, you think they should find a way to give Oswald Peraza a shot now, like officially? And keep him here. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I always say, what's the worst that could happen? You know what I'm saying? Like we've seen him play, but like, what's the worst that could happen? Like he just doesn't live up to the standards, which obviously, you know, it sucks. But like I'm gonna say, I mean, give the kid a shot. Yeah, I I feel like that's what it what it should be for him take someone like a someone for y'all and just give him a shot. He's 25 years old. Like he's younger than me, which is weird to say, like give him the shot that he deserves. I, I'm not a, I'm not against the Jake Bowers and the Willie Calhouns and the Billy McKinney's like they've been keeping up and, you know, holding the fort down, I guess you could say, but you know, we're, we're getting all these veterans not washed up, but these veteran pieces, let's say, Instead of just giving the guy who was our number one prospect for years a legitimate shot, like that stuff doesn't really make much sense to me. Well, I mean, like with Anthony Volpe, I mean, he's he's been doing great. I mean, yeah, he for me personally, like I I was always like with the with these kids, I'm like, all right, you know, what's going to happen when they come up here? Are they go- are they going to be the hype that everyone's expecting them to be? Because you know how people like how some people are where they just hype all these prospects up and then unfortunately some of them don't pan out and people get upset. So I'm, you know, when you, when they bring the kids up, I'm like, all right, let's see what they got. That's just me. Like, impre- imp- you know, impress us, like imp- well, impress me, you know, as a Yankee fan, I, I want to see, you know, can you do it? And he's just been, he's been just been so great, you know, working on his stuff and I'm, I'm just so pleased and I, I, I love him. Yeah, that's that's good because it's it's been pretty tough to find love in in this team because it's <laughs> been so it's just been so hard like oh yeah of course but I mean like listen like we love the Yankees we're always will be but I think like as fans we just get so frustrated because we want to win like we're hungry like we want to bring home that championship you know but unfortunately like how they've been playing is just it's aggravating yeah yeah definitely definitely. And then that, that, that's going to make me kind of flip this into now the pitching side. And I'm going to start this right off the bat. And I kind of want to hear what you guys have to say about this. But, you know, Luis Severino. Um, yeah. 
What the hell? He just hasn't been this. He just hasn't been the same since his injuries, and like that's what yeah. sucks. I feel like. Yeah, and I've seen plenty from him uh, in the fr- in you can go frame by frame with him on like what he looked like just last year before he got injured the first time, and you can see the posture is completely different. How he's more stiff on his back. He's standing up a lot straighter. You know, you could dissect it as hard as you want to, but clearly he's nowhere near the same pitcher that he once was or the guy we thought he was supposed to be. We we expected him to be a solid number three and even, you know, help us be that one, two, three rotation piece in the postseason. You need minimum three top guys in the postseason to be shut out so that you don't have to overuse your bullpen, but you can rely on your starters to get you five, six, seven innings at the very, very minimum. And I felt like Garrett Cole's obviously still a top dog. And then I think Carlos Rodon, now that he's going to be fresh and he's going to have – I don't expect him to tire out at all. I think he's going to have a, a good season and be pretty dominant in October, if, if obviously, if we can get there. And then, you know, now you got to ask yourself, what's that third piece? Is Luis Severino going to turn it around to be that piece? Is Nestor Cortez someone we really want to – I don't know. You know, because those pieces haven't worked out. And obviously, Frankie Montas is – he's going to be back by August. But is that someone you really want to trust either? Nah. I keep him off the roster, to be honest. For me, there's, like, a different issue I have with Seve right now. And it's not that I don't think he's not trying, but I question his commitment to the Yankees because I know that there's been some, like – times where how we've handled him on injuries has kind of tipped him off a little if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like last year when they put him on the 60 day and he was like i don't really understand like i feel fine he was annoyed with that i know he was annoyed when they wouldn't let him do the world baseball classic and he ended up getting hurt anyway i just i don't think he's interested in coming back number one not that we would sign him anyway but i just at this point i question how he feels about the organization and if that's affecting what he's doing. I think personally, he won't be back next year, especially with the numbers. I think he loves New York, but like the medical staff, what they were doing with Severino, he's just not a big fan of it, you know? And it sucks to see a guy like Severino, we've watched him for years and stuff. You know, he's had his times where he looked just peak amazing. And then just watching this down downhill spiral and stuff, it's just frustrating. I do believe that there's definitely some sort of animosity there between Severino and some someone in the Yankee personnel. I don't know if he obviously is – if it's the commitment that leads him to have, you know, a 7.38 ERA. It's a contract year. You would think you would want to show out at your very best so that you get paid a lot of money. But I, I definitely don't think he comes back next year. Uh, maybe because of the fact that it could be a bargain deal now because he's been so bad that the Yankees might offer him like a cheaper contract. But I kind of feel like this is going like in a Dell and Batanzas way where we loved him for so long, but you kind of saw the way. Like you saw him leaving, you saw the way out, and you knew that there was absolutely like no shot he was coming back. And I feel like that's kind of what's going to happen with Severino. I, I think, honestly, if I had a crystal ball, I think he's going to Texas. 
because I think Texas overpays for everyone. And I think that's yeah. exactly what's going to happen with him. I think some team will look for his services and stuff, you know, like some like low market team. I don't know how to explain it, but like some team will give him money, you know? Yeah, I, I, I just think with Texas trying to build a World Series contender so quickly and with DeGrom out all the way until next season, that they'll probably try to fill the void with, with Severino thinking he could be the guy he once was. And I still think he's a solid mid-threes guy. I just think he's having a really rough year. Maybe there's something lingering that he just doesn't want to tell because he's had so many injury history and, and issues. But, you know, that – and I kind of want to ask you guys too, you know, I mentioned it before, but with Nestor Cortez – you start to wonder whether he'll ever be the same guy. I know he's been injured for a while now, and he won't be back till you know early August. But do you expect him to come back and be Nestor that we know or, or hope? Or do you kind of see what this season has been, and that's kind of the Nestor that you're, you're expecting now throughout this season? One can hope. I don't think he's going to be 2022 Nestor. I think that was probably his ceiling. I think the pitch clock hurt him a lot. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, and that, I mean that could be why he's getting these injuries. I don't think he's that hurt right now enough to be put on the sixty day. I think that was more of just some um, clerical stuff they had to do to clear room for Rodon. But I, I think he can be better than this, and I think he will. But he's not going to be what we had last year. Maybe I'm crazy, but, like, I know we're not, you know, postseason yet, but, like, thinking about it, you got Cole 1, Rodon 2. I wouldn't mind putting Herman 3 and putting Severino in the bullpen. He does better in the bullpen for some reason, you know? And then having Cortez as the fourth, you know? I think Cortez, he won't be the same self, but I think he will be, like, you know, all right. He will, like, you know, give us innings, you know? I, I do well, I do think that that's a possibility that San Marino goes to the bullpen. I think I think that's definitely where the Yankees are leaning toward, especially when it hits October. Uh, Domingo as a number three, though, that definitely does not sell me in October. I know, but, you know, we're desperate, man, you know? Yeah, well, that's, that's where the trade deadline definitely comes in. I'll get into that in, in a second. But, you know, I know the, bull, the Yankees bullpen, and I, I don't want to not bring this up. I'm not trying to be – negative Nancy over here, but, you know, obviously the Yankees bullpen has been incredible. It's best in baseball. And I'm thankful for that. that I mean, we, the fact that we got Tommy Canely back. Yeah, that was beautiful. Tommy like he's, I freaking love him. And like, I mean, he's ever since like, he's, you know, his games, uh, he's just been, he's been great. And even before like Ian Hamilton, like so random just before he got hurt, like was just, was great. Yeah, I do believe that the Yankees are good at finding good bullpen pieces. I feel like that's something that Cashman, every time Cashman gets a reliever, I actually do have some confidence in. Um, Besides because, Andrew Heaney. <laughs> well, Andrew Heaney was a meant-to-be starter, which was a desperate move because we desperately needed pitching, but he failed so bad that with 10 minutes left in the deadline, he just got someone with innings, and that failed so badly. But you know, I, I feel like all the guys that we have in our bullpen from Marinaccio last year, like I don't think when Marinaccio made the team last year, I was like, all right, that's cool. But then he had like that really bad game against Cleveland. 
I was like, dude, I don't want to ever see this dude again. Like, get him. <laughs> and then when he came back, he was lights out. Albert Abreu, like, we traded him for Trevino, and the fact that he made his way back after being with Texas and Kansas City. And, like, Albert Abreu I'm not a fan of, and he's not really that great. But there are times where he can be lights out with that sinker ball. And it's like, okay, that's the guy. That's the reason we picked him up, because he can throw a 99, 100-mile-an-hour sinker ball. Wandy Peralta, when we traded him for Talkman, we were like, well, who the hell is this? Like, <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, who is this guy? Yeah, and Wandy's been one of our best bullpen pieces that we've had the last three or four years. You know, He's been on the team for that long already? Yeah. Yeah, he's oh, yeah, been 2021. Oh, yeah. it's been 2021. Okay. Oh, wow. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it was early because we traded Talkman very early in the 2021 season. And uh, oh, Estrada too. Or something. Yep, and Tyro Estrada. Which that hurt. Oh, right, because then – and then in the offseason, we did a lot of, like, trading and DFA. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right, now I remember. My God, it has, it's been so long. Yeah, it's and, and that's just, you know, I've been very happy with what we've had. And a lot of the guys that we make in these bullpen pieces – Clay Holmes, another one where, like, he, I feel like Clay Holmes should be an all-star. And the fact that he's not is kind of amazing, but it's uh, he's had a better year. I, I do love the fact that we don't necessarily go to him for safe situations all the time. I like that we space it out. Michael King has been awesome. Yep. But I want to, I want to, you know, wrap this up in a way where uh, in our last conversation we are in what what is it? We're we're at the All Star break now. So that means we got around three weeks until the trade deadline. What are before we start throwing out names? What are pieces that you think the Yankees desperately need come July thirty first? Left field. If we don't. Yeah, if we don't get a left fielder, I'm gonna scream. Yo. So, Sean, I want to know your opinion. Is the Juan Soto pipe dream like real? Because so many people talk about this every damn day. Honestly, I feel like we can't get our hopes up. But then at the same time, sometimes, like, we, we didn't know that Anthony Rizzo was going to be traded to us. Like, we were just like, what the hell? So I feel like I, like, you guys know me. Like, I don't, like, I don't expect, like, much. Like, my expectations for this team is, like, low. So when they make a trade or something, I'm like, holy shit, they actually did it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know what to expect at this deadline. That's, that's I think, my thought process that's been just getting going through my head. I just can't think of what they're going to do at the trade deadline, if anything. I think there needs to be a huge push for offense, especially in left field. We were Absolutely. told that we they were going after a left fielder in the offseason, and it never came. Yeah, and that's showing. It is showing. It is being very obvious right now, defensive and offensively. We need a left fielder. And I know that there were some rumors a few weeks ago about like trading for Shane Bieber. I personally don't want to see a starting pitcher. I know we could use it, but at the end of the day, we need offense. And I would rather miss out on a starting pitcher to grab like two more offensive pieces that could really propel us and make the lineup better. Because as of right now, this is the same lineup as the ALCS, and that's mm-hmm. not going to do us any good. I saw a tweet the other day. Well, the other day, this is the same lineup outside of Matt Carpenter switching out with Volpe. It's literally the same exact lineup. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Show us you're serious at the deadline. Show yeah. us that you are actually you actually still think that we're contenders this year, and show us that you're ready to do what needs to be done to get us there. Absolutely. And I feel like we we had this conversation so many times in the off season, you know, like the fact that it, we were talking about the Yankees desperately need a left fielder, and we were going off the assumption like, all right, since they're not going to go after Benintendi seriously, you know, they're going to lowball him some horrible <laughs> offer that he would never accept. They have to be thinking of something, right? Like, if you're why throw out a contract offer for a left fielder if you're not really big on a left fielder? And that was the part that never made any sense to me, but then since spring training we get all these veteran pieces to kind of fill the void in left field yeah and i was like what what was the game plan there like what what is happening behind the scenes that you can't you don't want to go out and spend but i wonder going into this deadline i think the number one thing obviously is a left fielder 100 percent. but then i'm i'm not i'm not against the starting pitcher either and I do think, Anthony, to answer your question, I do think that the Juan Soto thing will never happen, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe that – I don't believe that the Padres are going to sell now. Like, they – look at the contracts that they've given out. You know, they're not just going to abandon ship halfway through one season. And I think they're really trying to – fix the ship as quickly as they can and san diego doesn't really make much sense to me because they just do the same game plan over and over again where they overspend for big names and then it never works out like a couple years ago they had one of the greatest one through five starting rotations that you could ask for and none of it worked out and most of them got hurt none of them could be as good as they once were blake snell is finally now coming into form like he once was when he was in tampa and, you know, all those other guys that they've signed for hitting are just names. You know, like, I, I would love to see them shop Juan Soto and be Yankee, but I just don't feel like the Padres are going to do that no matter what. I feel like they're so stubborn that they would be in their own way so much and not do it. Like, that's just what I think. I think the yeah. Padres are so doomed. <laughs> But they're just because you're gonna be doomed. You got you got an owner spending so much money, knowing that at the end of it, he's not even gonna be the owner anymore. So why not just throw out these crazy contracts? And someone like Juan Soto, who still has another full year after this, I think they're gonna try to right the ship to be a playoff contender. I would love 100% to see him traded. One, I don't think the Yankees have the trade capital to do it you know jason dominguez would have to headline it with so many other pieces i think but, they do but the yankees just don't want to do it That's which is which is amazing yeah. to me because last season i would have understood because every every deal had anthony volpe in it but now that anthony volpe is a major leaguer like you can't throw him in it but now like <coughs> generational talent and Juan Soto you really don't need to have someone like Jason Dominguez because you have a you have someone that is you know is a star in hopes for Jason Dominguez to be a star 
And there's really no one else on the prospect list that you're like, oh, my God, we need to keep this guy. He's going to be a generational talent. And, you know, that's the, that's the question Yankee, Yankees fans and Yankee personnel have to ask themselves is that if they're serious, how serious are they? Are they serious and trying to win this season or are they building something for the seasons beyond? To fix oh this goodness, team. Signals on that. So – to fix this team, you need at least two to three bats at the deadline, contact bats, like a Benintendi bat that we got last year, two, three contact bats. And then I'd take a flyer on a pitcher, not a Bieber, but like an extra arm because, you know, you saw the bullpen and stuff today. I mean, they've been lights out, but they're going to get tired at some point, you know. So we need some arms. The thing is, is that for me, like, I don't want the Yankees to mess around with that. With Because like, when you come to the postseason, every team that is World Series contenders, legitimate ones, have a top three rotation. One, two, and three are dominant. Or you know can be dominant. And I feel like the Yankees have struggled to have that forever. And like the Yankees haven't had that since 2009 when we were dominant with those three. And... Now I feel like the Yankees always have one and maybe two good pitchers. And even last year where you know Severino was, was pretty good, and Nestor was struggling, and then, of course, he got hurt, and Vergara Cole was good. It was like we didn't really have the one, two, three punch. And, you know, I'm not set on going into October with Garrett Cole. And then who? Carlos Rodon would be a solid number two, hoping – that there's no injuries and hoping that he could be as solid as he was in this one start that we've seen him throughout the rest of the season. But then who's your three? Who is legitimately your number three? I mean, it's ugly, you know. And once you get to the ALCS, you kind of need uh, like a fourth. Because yeah, I feel like banking on Cortez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, is that someone I, I could I could bank on Nestor on a game four situation. That's not like I'm not, you know, over the moon about it, but it's not the worst thing. But you really need a solid three. That's why I think the Yankees need to go out and get someone, not maybe number one type of pitcher, but get a solid number two to go right behind Rodon. And I feel like that's a stretch. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I don't think we're gonna really know who's available until around ten to seven days before the deadline, where a bunch of teams start leaking rumors to the press and pretending it's not them, but it really is them. And then you see a bunch of rumors out there with a bunch of players, but uh, Shane well, Bieber, I gotta think like there's a lot of divisions where they're still kind of up for grabs right now. Exactly. Yeah. And there's like three teams in the mix. I mean, so it's, it's been a, if towards the deadline, it's looking like, Oh, the Cardinals really aren't going to win the division. They may start selling. Or if it's looking like the Cubs aren't going to win the division, they may start selling. So it's going to depend the on so how those division races go. You look at the standings, there's just so many teams like bunched up and stuff. Like outside of Tigers, Royals, not even the Tigers, they're still fucking alive. But like, you know, the Royals and the A's, like a lot of teams are still like, you know, in the mix. Teams have to make that decision where they're on the, on the cusp of hey, can we can we make a playoff run or should we sell off now and be better, you know, a year or two from now? Thank guys. I mean, honestly, I feel like really 
the only options are going to come from either the AL Central or an NL team because I don't think there's too many teams in the AL that will really sell, especially in like the AL East. Because right. our division is such a juggernaut, I feel like really any of us could end up with wild card spots. I think as a fan, we got to pray that the Cubs keep on losing because I think Cody Bellinger is going to highlight that trade deadline, and I think the Yankees should go after Cody Bellinger. I don't mind it, I don't, obviously. I don't know yeah. that I want Cody Bellinger, if I'm being honest. Why is that? I Maybe I haven't watched him enough this year, but I, I feel like he doesn't provide enough contact. What I saw, I know I just saw one at bat Friday, but he took row down into the second row. Literally beautiful swing. It's not no doubt the power is you know? there. No doubt the power is there. Like, and he's a former MVP. He was a project for the Cubs at the start of the season because of how awful he was doing for the Dodgers. I just don't know. I don't. I I want a contact bat. So if you can get me Bellinger and a contact bat, okay. That's what but we're blinking on. I want someone who makes contact right now. Yeah, I've been following him a lot closer this year. And, like, Bellinger obviously isn't going to move the needle and be like, okay, we're we're contenders now. But he's not a bad bat. He's, his his swing has gotten a lot better. Think it, about that. Really, and there really hasn't been too many names. Yeah, I think it's still very early. Teams haven't made up their mind yet on what they want to do. They want to contend or sell. Think about that outfield. Cody Bellinger, Harrison Bader, and hopefully we get a healthy judge back soon and adding another bat. Think about that. That would get every Yankee fan fired up, including myself. Yeah, that's not a bad outfield at all. So I'll be the first to admit, I know Bellinger plays a lot of center, but does he play a lot of left? Like, I don't know if he does. I think so. Sean, you know a little bit about it? I think yeah, he, he, could play, he could play any position in the outfield in first base. Like He's he's not bad in the corners. Left field is probably the least position that he could play, but he could definitely still play it at a very high level. I think regardless, he could play like I, – I think we settled on what the worst case scenario could be, and we saw that in Gallo when Gallo just couldn't – play left field like he was still pretty good on defense he just couldn't hit yeah somehow plays a factor in it which i understand in a way but i think i think bellinger would be just fine in that regard and playing left field it's i i don't i don't see a, a real issue with something like that and bellinger makes so much sense because of his contract like he purposely wanted a one-year deal so that he could have a career type year and then you know, settle with the with the organization for the rest of his career. That's what he wanted. So I think he's still he's so hungry that it's. I want a guy like that. I want a guy who's so hungry. And he's only twenty seven. Exactly. And, and his he's dad so young. played for the Yankees too. Yes, and I, I think he could be. When you got a guy who's so hungry to you know get the deal that he wants, I'm good on that. Like I I want a guy like that that has still has something to play for. And I'm not saying that these guys with big contracts don't, but when you could tell when someone's playing for their contract or and someone who has already played their contract. It's a total difference. And 
I like Bellinger, and I kind of hope that the Yankees can squeak something out there. But, you know, because it's been rumored so much, like that makes me lean towards it won't happen because I feel like Cashman never leaks anything out, and he always avoids yeah, and stays away from all the rumors and nonsense. So I, it's something we'll see for sure. But I want to ask you guys before we, we head out real quick, I'm going to ask you like a two-parter here, and this will be quick. And I'm going to go Ant, Meg, and then Grace. You guys just go in that order quick, and then you let me know. So here's part one of my question. All said and done, do you see the Yankees making the playoffs, and how many wins do you, do you see them getting? Let's see. I think they will make moves at the deadline. I, I just can't see them sellers, you know, like they're even though they're eight games out, they're still fighting for a wild card. It's like why quit, you know? And I think the Yankees will finish around think they'll get better. I'm gonna say ninety four, ninety five wins. I think anything could happen. <laughs> I can see them going like, you know, to like postseason. But if they don't make any moves, which I hope they do make moves, but if they don't, um, I don't, I don't like, I don't see them. Like, I don't like with how the offense has been playing. I just don't see it. Um, but you know, one can only hope. And then um, I want to say like ninety six and ninety seven. Wow. But then that, like, that, that, but then that, I don't know if that really, I don't know. I feel like the Yankees, like, for some reason, they, like, they'll scare us and then they just pull it off. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? It's just because we're only eight games above 500 with 90 games played. It makes me think like we're like a 91 win team right now, but it's, uh, no, you're anything, anything's possible for sure. So, okay. So if they don't make moves, I can see them at like a 94. 394 wins but if they do make moves i could see them at like i'm gonna say 95 with that's mm. a better answer i like that grace so for me um if they make moves and if if we get judged back make the playoffs in a wild card it's like 93 wins it comes down to like i think it'll just depend on judges how what moves they make I I don't see them, though, especially after the money house. I don't see them throwing. Definitely interested to see in how this season plays out. I appreciate the uh, three of you for hopping on with me and uh, having this nice little roundtable discussion. And uh, hopefully we see the moves that we are uh, hoping for and the Yankees can turn this around. Maybe we're a little spoiled because we're eight games you know, above 500, and obviously there are teams that – are struggling, like, you know, the crosstown rivals that we have who are horrible, but, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but still, you know, like, uh, it could be worse, but I am, I'm hopeful that the Yankees can make the playoffs and make some key moves that it's not just a playoff run and the Yankees can actually be a serious contender into trying to get their 28-12 championship, and uh, I guess something we'll see, but I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for being on, and uh, catch you guys in the next one. Of Thank you, Sean. Let's run it back. <laughs> <laughs>